morning and thank you for joining me today as we start with the book of Leviticus. And so we come to the third book of the Bible as we are uh, reading through the Bible uh, in a year. Uh, today we're going to consider the first uh, three chapters of Leviticus. If you've got a Bible and you have a, a moment to do so, open it to the Leviticus chapter 1. Our focus will be on the first nine verses of the book of uh, Leviticus. Uh, the title of the book uh, comes from uh, the Latin uh, word uh, for Levites and has the, the idea of uh, pertaining to the Levites. So uh, this is an instruction manual for those who would lead Israel in worship. Uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, the way the Hebrew Bible has the book of Leviticus entitled is uh, a kind of a, a, a transliteration of the word, and he uh, called. And so the book was written by Moses after the Exodus. Uh, the, uh, the book of Exodus closes with uh, the Israelites encamped at Sinai where they remain for a year. God has given them to the law. He has uh, given them instructions as to the uh, uh, construction of the tabernacle. And so how shall all of these things uh, be uh, implemented? How shall they be uh, utilized? How, how do we uh, live as sinful men before a holy God and particularly in view of the fact that our sin has been clearly defined by God's law. And so Leviticus in, in a sense answers the question, how shall sinful me men come before a holy God? How shall they live in a relationship uh, to this holy God? What does obedience to this God, uh, what does it look like? How is the great chasm between God and men, uh, how is it bridged? And so God uh, provides a means. It would seem to me the central verse and, and theme and concept of the book is found in chapter 11, verse 44, where God says, Be holy because I am holy. And just, there's so much we could unpack just conceptually right there, but that presents the fundamental issue between God and man. God is holy. Because he is holy, he cannot tolerate, he cannot compromise, he, he cannot be in the presence of sin, and men are sinful. And so what does God do? Does he just simply destroy us uh, completely? Does he annihilate us? What does God do? And so God provides a way for sinful, evil, rebellious men to be reconciled to a holy God. And so he puts into place, beginning in the book of Exodus, what we call the Old Covenant, all of the stipulations, uh, all of the regulations related uh, to uh, this uh, uh, ceremonial life to be lived out in the uh, uh, context of a, a theocratic kingdom uh, in the land that God had promised to Abraham so uh, long uh, ago. And so, uh, so here is a practical guide to how this treasured possession of God, this nation of Israel, the Exodus uh, generation, the people delivered by God, saved by God, 
from uh, the great enemy, Egypt. How shall they live uh, with this God? What is the prescription for their manner of living? Now, we know that uh, the Old Covenant, uh, in terms of its law and its ceremonies, really did not deeply impact the heart of men. You could go through the rituals and your heart be far from God. And so these have to do with externals. And all of the externals, all of the sacrifices, all of the rituals, all of the furnishings, all of the uh, construction of uh, buildings, whether temporary or permanent, anticipate the necessity for their being perfected and made actually effective in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, if we come to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, we see that Christ is better than everything that came before Him because He is the fulfillment of everything that came before Him. And this sacrificial system is now obsolete because what it pointed to has been accomplished in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we see here uh, in uh, these first three chapters of Leviticus, uh, the prescription for the, uh, some of the offerings, the, the laws for burnt offerings in chapter 1, the law for grain offerings in chapter 2, the laws for peace offerings uh, in uh, chapter uh, three, and so in uh, the burnt offering, you, the worshiper was to bring a bull, a sheep, or a, a goat, a pigeon, or a turtle dove, and it was all consumed in offering to God. Uh, the grain offering or flour offering uh, was offered uh, and consumed there on the altar. It reminds us of uh, the, the humanity of our, our Lord Jesus Christ and His coming. And then the peace offering was an offering from the herd or the flock. And uh, uh, it, uh, a portion of this offering uh, was placed on the altar. A portion was uh, shared with the priest and the worshiper. And again, it was a reminder that God had established a means to have fellowship with him. So that's kind of the overview of the three chapters. Let's look very quickly uh, at uh, these first uh, nine verses. Uh, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, uh, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall bring the flood, blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Uh, then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire." And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the feet and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, burn its entrails and its legs, shall it shall, he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And so this is the way this particular sacrifice is to be offered. Uh, this is what is to be offered in terms of the sacrifice. And in doing that, 
God is satisfied. There is an atonement made for sin. Uh, there is something uh, that covers the guilt of the sinner and that uh, in doing it in the prescribed manner there is a way that God finds it pleasing that that uh, just as uh, uh, the meat was roasted on the fire and, and creates a savory smell uh, it is a savory smell a reminder of the obedience of God's people uh, uh, the people didn't fully understand, but of course it, it anticipated uh, the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even, I believe, God himself, uh, 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 as the writer of Hebrews says, he was never satisfied with the offerings of the, the bulls and goats. But he was reminded of what his son would accomplish in every sacrifice. And so his uh, uh, wrath against sin... Uh, was again uh, hedged in until the day it would be fully expressed uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. And so uh, Leviticus, while yes, a, a practical instructions regarding holy living in terms of the Old Covenant, it is all about that which anticipates the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find uh, our Lord Jesus Christ as a fulfillment of all that Leviticus pointed to. So I pray that this is a blessing to your day, and I look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow.